Good morning, good morning. All of the words of Torah, the Berachot today are sponsored and should be said in memory of uh, Moshe ben Le'a, sponsored by his son, Alberto Smeki. The Pasuk says, And I will uh, uphold my covenant with them to give them Eretz Canaan, to give them the land of Israel, the land of, of their, where they lived, that they lived in it. Now that sounds like a strange expression. Effectively, the Pasuk is telling us, why did the Jewish people merit to have the land of Eretz Israel? That's really what God is saying. Why do we merit to have the land of Israel? Because it was the land of Migurehem, the land that they had lived in before they came to Egypt, right? Asher Garuba, that they had lived in. Those words mean exactly the same thing. So what are you adding when you say the land that they lived in, that they lived in? So um, I saw a beautiful idea that's brought down um, from the, the, in, the, in the name of the Sefer, the Malbim. The Malbim writes something fascinating. I'm going to give you the quote. He says, Hatam lahem eretz Kenan. The reason why he promised them the land of Canaan, because Shelo ayu kitoshavim ba'aretz. Because they were never in the land, they were never like people who had settled. Rak kigerim. They were always, when they were living in Eretz Israel, or indeed in this earth in general, they always treated it as if they were only here as gerim, as uh, um, sojourners, people who were passing through, uh, tourists. Ki ikar mishkanam betam, because the main focal point of their dwelling and their homes was be'olam ha'elyon, was in the world above. To walk in front of God always. But in this world, they treated themselves as if they were gerim, as if they were sojourners. And therefore, the land was given to them, this land called Eretz Israel, because it is a land of hasaga, of achievement. It is a land of of holiness, and a land of prophecy. Rabotai, it's important to understand this idea. First of all, the focal point of living in Eretz Israel. We know the Gemara says that the land of Israel is only acquired by Surin. It's acquired with, um, uh, with, sorry, difficulties, with pain, with suffering, and it always. This is something which always kind of caused me pause. I never understood this. Eretz Israel is known. It's considered a beracha. Why in the world would we say that it's niknit by Surin? A person acquires. Eretz Israel be Yisurin with suffering. And the answer is, Rabotai, for a land to be a place which its focal point is growth, it's important that you don't think that it's about comfort. It's important that you recognize that that place is not a place of just relaxing and on vacation. It's a place of work. It's a place of struggle. And the reason why it's such a place, and Eretz Israel has always been such a place, is because Eretz Israel is the portal, if you will, between this world and the next. The Beit HaMikdash, we know, is literally the stepping stone between Olam HaZeh and Olam Haba. When Yaakov Avinu sleeps there, what does he say? He didn't realize, I didn't know. En ki im Beit Elohim. This place is, not, is nothing but the house of God. It's a gateway to heaven. So Am Yisrael deserves Eretz Yisrael when they are treating the land and treating themselves as people who are attempting to acquire heaven. When they're treating themselves as people who are attempting to acquire this world, 
then the land of Israel, it's not a place for them. And they get driven out of it. So when we think like everybody else, when we become like everybody else, it's almost like we lose our connection with the land of Israel. And Eretz Israel uh, pushes us out. The language in the Sefer Devarim is fascinating. It says if you'll do Abu Dazara, and you'll do Gilui Arayot, adultery, and you'll do Shifichut Taimim, you'll kill people, you do all the big Averot, and the land will spit them out. It's almost as if the land itself knows how to push Am Yisrael out into Galut when they no longer deserve it, when they're not acting like they are in this world to be able to acquire Olam Abba. There's an unbelievable mashal that was brought by Rabbi Shalom Shwadron. He said, you know, we have people in this world that uh, they, they lose their focus. And he says, they, he says, I'm going to give you an example. Imagine someone who's working and working and working from abroad to get his green card. He knows that he could have tremendous success if he could only come to the land of opportunity to America. The trouble is, he's living in some other uh, you know, country. He can't really get here. He can't re- doesn't have access to a financial center, to a base of operations, to a place where he could grow this business idea that he knows will make him comfortable. And then one day, unbelievable, he wins the lottery. I think it's one in 10 people, I think, that applies for it. And he gets a green card. <clears throat> he gets a green card. They can't believe it. All of his friends are saying, wow, I can't believe you got it. How are you gonna, what are you going to do? He says, well, listen. He says, I have no money. You guys all know I've been a failure in business. I need to now move to a new country. I spent all my money on lawyers to get the green card. All I have is about $100 left. So he said, how are you going to get to America with $100? The guy says, look, I've sorted it out. I found a website online. It's called Skiplagged or another website online. I found the worst possible flight. It leaves at the worst possible time. It, uh, it stops over in France for a week and a half, right? And after it stops over in France a week and a half, I leave again at a 5.30 in the morning, terrible flight. I get into New York at the worst time possible. But you know what? I've, I managed to get to New York. The friend says, all right, fantastic. You know, are you prepared? The guy says, yeah, you don't know. I'm getting ready like crazy. I'm getting all my uh, ducks lined up in a row. The guy says, wow, it sounds amazing. I, can't, I wish you the greatest success. What does the guy do? He's got two months till this flight, till his green card becomes valid. And he says to himself, you know, I'm leaving this country, I'm leaving Israel. I really better learn the language of the country that I'm going to, English. I'm going to get there, I have to sell my product, I need to go into meetings, I need to talk to distributors, I need to, you know, put my plan into action, I need to learn the language. But he says to himself, you know, I may be getting ahead of myself. Because before I get to America, I'm going to spend a week and a half in France. She says, you know what, I've had now two months. You know, maybe, you know, I should spend on whatever, what's going to come first, you know. Like we say, Al-Rishon, Rishon. What comes first, you deal with first. What comes second, you deal with second. You know, you cross that bridge when you get to it. So the guy sits down, he hires himself a, a French tutor with a couple of extra dollars that he's got. He's working side jobs in order to sustain the French tutor because he only has the $100 for the ticket. Every day he goes, he cleans dishes, he washes floors to make the money, he brings the French tutor, and one day he learns, Banjur, Azaku Baruch. The next day he learns, Baguette. The next day he learns, Fromage, 
I think these are French words. If I'm not, stop me now. Cheese. So he learns the main words you need to know if you go to France. Baguette and cheese. And then he learns the word for wine. Van. Van, and he's good to go. It takes him, but he's spending all his time, he's reviewing with flashcards. Finally, he's about to fly, and he's learned the main words he needs. He knows how to say some words about food. He knows how to say some words about money. He knows the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the translation, the what's it called, the, of currency between shekels and francs. Well, now it's euros. Either way, he, he's about to leave, and the same friend who saw him all that time ago comes and he says, you know, I want to see you off. I want to give you a beracha. I can't believe you're doing it. Ashrecha, hazaku baruch. I want to give you a beracha. You should be masliach. He goes, have you done all the preparation? He goes, yeah. He goes, so how's your English? He goes, oh, I haven't started on my English yet. The guy says, Dib, you're leaving tomorrow. <laughs> he goes, I know. He goes, but you know, I thought I'm going to be going to France first, spending a week there. How am I going to get around in France? The guy says, you spent two months learning French? He says, yeah. He goes, you're such an idiot. He says, why? He goes, you're going to be there for a week and a half. But you're moving to America. Your business is in America. The whole dream that you had was for America. For a week and a half, you could have got by in France. You could have walked into the store and pointed at the objects. You could have played the silly charades game that we all play. You could have got into the cab and do what everyone in a foreign country does and tell the guy where you're going. And when he says he doesn't understand English, you tell it to him again slower and louder. You could have done what we all do. Dib, you spent all your time preparing for your week and a half. Sizzam Shalom Shwadron. The Jewish people have a secret we know. We know that we're fighting, we're working. Call Yisrael, Yeshlaim Chelek, Leolam Abba. Every Jew starts off with a portion in the world to come. And it's a place that you need to invest in if you want to be able to have Le'atid Lavo forever and ever and ever. The mitzvot that we do, the merits that we have, the choices that we make when we don't lose our temper, when we're kind, all the things that we do when nobody is looking even. We know that we're building a stockpile in Olamaba in the world to come. But instead, we make the mistake of this guy. And we take side jobs to be able to sponsor what we're going to do with the week and a half that we have in this world. If you think about Olamaba, the neshama, it lives, the soul, a person's consciousness, it exists forever. And not for a million years, not for a billion years, not for a trillion years, eternally. If consciousness, which is a chelek, a soul, which is a portion of God Himself, if God is eternal, then your soul is eternal. Think about what 70, 80, 100 years looks like as compared to eternal life. It's not 70 years, it's not a week and a half like the guy in France, it's a split second. It's like the passing of a fleeting shadow. It takes one second. How much time and effort are we spending on the things that we need in the week and a half in France? And how much time are we putting into our dream, our future, our eternal nature? There was a man in Israel who had himself made a watch. And instead of the 12 points being lines or numbers, they were Hebrew letters. So I was reading about this guy and I thought, oh, I've seen a watch like that. Aleph, Bed, Gimel, Dal, no. You know what he put on his watch? Twelve letters. At the top, the twelve, was a Yud. To the next one, to the right, the one was a Mem. The next one, the two o'clock is a Yud. The three o'clock is a Nun. 
he wrote the letters on his watch are Yamenu Kitzel Over, which is exactly 12 letters. Our days pass like a shadow. Every time he looked at his watch, he needed to know what time it was. He needs a very important meeting. I gotta go over here. No problem. He could tell what time it was. He could translate the noon was three o'clock. But he also remembered how much importance am I putting into this meeting? How am I gonna act at that meeting? What, what are the choices that I'm making and what are they gonna bring me and my neshama for all of time? You know what Hashem says? I'm gonna give you Eretz Israel. You know why? Eretz Migurehem, the land that you lived in. You know why I'm giving you the land of Eretz Israel? Asher Garuba. Because you were always able to remember that while we're here in this world, we're here for a, a finite amount of time. But our existence is infinite. What do you want to invest in? And I'm not telling you to drop everything you're doing and learn Torah 24-7 and do only mitzvot. I understand a person has a job, they have a family, they have expenses, there's a reality to that. But are we carving out enough time in our life for Torah and mitzvot? At least let's try and kind of knock up the percentage of how much time we're learning. Rabotai, today, there are no excuses anymore. It used to be the rabbi gave a class at 5 p.m. But rabbi, my boss doesn't let me leave until 6. <laughs> it used to be there was a nighttime class. The guys would say, rabbi, you don't understand. My wife, she's killing me. She's killing me. She said, once I get home, I got to do this, I got to do that. Another guy says to me, the class early in the morning, rabbi, I can't. I'm a, I'm a night guy. Early in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, I can't get up barely. My eyes are like super glued closed. Today you have no excuse. You have every single class on every single subject available to you at the touch of a button. If you want, come to me afterwards. I'll suggest some great people online. You have a podcast in your pocket. This class goes out to, I don't know, hundreds of people on WhatsApp. It's also in a podcast. People tell me they listen to it every day on their way to work because they have to come to the 7 o'clock manyan because they can't be here by 8.30. They need to be at work by 8.30. So what do they do? They listen to the day before's class on the 10-minute walk from their house to the, to the shul. I, when I walk to shul, I like to bring with me a sefer because I'm sitting looking at, what am I doing? I'm looking at nothing. I walk with the sefer, I walk with the sheets. I learn a little Torah on the way here. It's so easy. The pasuk says, As you travel on the road, what are you doing? When you're sitting in a cab doing nothing. You're looking at that stupid TV thing in the back of the cab, the curb, which is literally the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Mindless chatter, stupid. They're literally advertising to you. Turn it off, do something useful. Learn the deaf yomi. Understand how to become a better husband. Figure out how to work on your midot. Have a class in, 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 in halachot. Whatever you could do, whatever. There's so much opportunity for a person to be able to use the extra time to grow and, and not focus only in the land that they are uh, sojourning in and think of it as the place where they... And you know what happens? I always say, the people who love the land so much, they love this earth so much, ultimately what happens? The earth swallows them up and it takes everything from them. The person's body disappears into the earth. You came from the earth, you will go back to the earth. Ultimately, we're here for a limited time only. It's like a shopping spree. You can run through the store and grab everything that you want. And we should be to grab all the right things.